Good morning, and welcome to the sanctuary of Cornerstone Assemblies of God. I am Pastor Richard T. Wade, and I would like to say thank you for joining us today. I pray the Word of God can speak to you, and the Holy Spirit make it real to you. Now, a pre-recorded message from Cornerstone Assemblies of God. I'm preaching to you today, as I believe God will ask you to do some things that don't always make a whole lot of sense. And if you're looking for your faith to make logic sense, it's not faith. If you always have to have every line connected to the next line, if you've got to know every step of the process, you're really going to struggle in your faith. Because oftentimes you're just given a word and you've got to take that first step, sometimes that second step and third step of faith, trusting that you heard God. This morning, I want to encourage you, and it's not I want to encourage you. This morning, I believe in the depths of my being, the Spirit of God wants to encourage you. I know that oftentimes we joke about it, and I talk about it a lot as being a a hard-nosed, heavy-hitting preacher, and I believe that that is necessary most of the time. I do, but we also must be reminded that we have a God who loves us. We have a God who will empower us and who is leading us along the way if we will follow him. There are still some qualifications that we got to look at, some qualifications we got to think about. There's still personal responsibility to walking the walk of faith. But this morning, I want you to know you're going to make it. You hear me? Do you hear the voice of the Father telling you? You are going to make it. Amen? I want to read to you again Philippians 4, verses 11 through 13. I do not speak because I have need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know both how to face humble circumstances and how to have abundance everywhere and in all things. I have learned the secret. I love that. Both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things because of Christ which strengthens me. So oftentimes we quote verse 13 alone. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And oftentimes we we use this verse to give us strength when we're wanting to do something in our own strength and ability. Uh, I can do whatever I want to because Jesus is going to strengthen me to do whatever I want to. And that's not at all what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying, I need you to understand that I've had plenty and I've been in need. But my God was sufficient in both circumstances. I've been on top and I've been on bottom. But God is still God in all circumstances. I love that it says here in the modern English version that I have learned the secret. So what's the secret to living by faith. What's the secret to be, uh, if you would, successful in your walk of faith? The secret is, whether it's going your way or not going your way, God is sufficient. He's the one strengthening you when everything in your life is going perfect. It's not you, it's Him. So when everything is falling apart, it's going to be okay because it's not you, it's Him. We need to have a proper understanding of a doctrine of suffering within the Christian faith. We, over the last several years, trying to paint how wonderful it is to belong to God, and it is wonderful to belong to God. 
He does provide in ways like we've shared with you this morning. He'll speak to somebody's heart to just give you a word of encouragement when you need it. He'll speak to somebody's heart to hand you a little something in Walmart parking lot just when you need it. Somebody will come along and give you a hug. They'll give you a phone call. They'll give you a text. There's something just in the nick of time. He'll make a way where there seems to be no way. But sometimes you find yourself in the middle of that moment where you're thinking, have mercy. If God don't show up just in the nick of time, this whole thing may come crashing down. Here's the thing I want to teach you for just a moment. This is teacher, not preacher. If it all comes crashing down, it wasn't the will of God in the first place. Rejoice in the crumble and wait for him to rebuild and set you high where he would have you to go. Because I believe if it's God ordained, it cannot fail. I'll say that again. I don't know. That might have been the first time you heard it. If it's God ordained, it cannot fail. It may see some lean years. It may see some hard times. There may be moments you've got to grab hold of the altar of God and believe God. But if it is his will, it shall be done. If you don't do it, he'll find somebody else who will. That's another thing that we really got to learn. Is God has given us direction and clarification and vision and dreams. And the thing is, is we're now responsible for what God has called us to do. And if we don't do it, as Sister Judy has already encouraged you to walk in obedience, he'll find somebody else who will. And sometimes we sit back and wonder, why is it that God never uses me like he uses other people? Well, maybe he's asked you a time or two and you hadn't done it. And so he's not going to waste his time no more and find somebody who will. Ouch. God will use you. He'll use you in the great. He'll use you in the small. It's all important to God. It's all needed for the kingdom of God. We are all fitted together. We are all the body of Christ. And we oftentimes in our flesh and in our pride, we get hung up with who's the head and who's the eye and who's the face and who's the this and who's the that. And quite frankly, and even if I can be kind of just brash with you for a second here, it doesn't matter if I'm the tail end. As long as I'm the body of God, I'm happy about it. Huh? I mean, just being honest uh, with you, huh? I oftentimes use pinky toe. You know, I'm going to quit picking on people's. Uh, everybody in here has got an ugly, crooked pinky toe that's caught ever, ever bed post in the house. It's caught every, and you've got that toe. We all have it. Even if you're that toe, the important thing is, are you a, are you a part of the body? And understand that there is a purpose and a use for you. And don't let anybody and don't let any devil in hell tell you otherwise. Because right here we also learn in Ephesians, and I'm not going there right now, but that we war not against flesh and blood, but against power and principality. Look, when people start tearing you down, it's not flesh and blood tearing you down. There's a devil behind this situation, and they're trying to discourage you. I'm telling you this morning that you're going to make it because Jesus said so. And don't listen to any voice but the voice of the Father. But you've got to spend time in the presence of the Father to know the voice of the Father. Hallelujah. We must rely on Christ's presence. We must rely on His power. We must rely on His purposes. And, and the ability to rely is an ability that is developed over time as we walk by faith. It's not always easy to rely on the Lord. But I'm telling you, the longer you do it, the easier it gets. And I'm just going to be honest about it. 
I don't have it perfected by any means, but I know that it's a lot easier today than it was a decade ago to trust God in several situations. Because when he's proven himself faithful time and time again, circumstance after circumstance, then all of a sudden circumstances stop to lose their power over you because when the devil jumps in your face and says, boo, it's like, okay, yeah, this is ugly, but God has seen me through enough, but I know he's going to see me through this too, so you might as well stop wasting your breath and trying to knock me off course because I'm going to stay the, I'm staying the course. We, we, we heading, we heading to glory. I got my eyes fixed on Jesus and I'm not turning left nor right until he tells me otherwise. So boo all you want to. <laughs> Cause me all the headache you need to, but I'm not quitting. Because my God's faithful and he's seen me through enough. I love the old Nancy Harmon song says, I've come too far to turn back now. I've come too far. Why in the world? <laughs> You know, we were driving this weekend uh, to Branson and had a wonderful time. And thank you for everybody who prayed and wished us well. And I don't know exactly where we were, but we were better than halfway there. And Cooper was like, are we there yet? You know, the time old, you know, are we there yet? It's like, no, son. I thought it was a four-hour drive. Well, I mean, yeah, but we stopped for lunch. And we stopped and got gas, and then y'all had to pee three times because you're back here sucking on these bottles of water. And so now this four-hour trip is a six-hour trip. That's not my fault. It's your fault. <laughs> you know, so, you know, uh, well, if I knew it was going to be this long, we might as well just turn around and go home. What you don't understand is you're going to get to your destination faster than you're going to turn around and get back home. Huh? And so how many times, though, in faith is that where we find ourselves? We head out on the track that the Lord has called us to. We're doing what God's called us to do. We're going, we're going, we're going, and it gets to taking a little longer than it was supposed to. There's a few more bumps in the road than it needed to be. There's a few more detours than we wanted to take. So there was, you know, some traffic, and there was this, and there was that. And I'm supposed to be on the interstate, but I'm on 67 because something was going on on I-30 as usual. And you have to get off and take all the side roads. You know what? I'm just done. I'm going home. You have two hours to glory, but you'd rather trek back through the six hours of mess you've just been through to get back to the comfort of home how many times do we do that in faith I'm telling you you're going to make it you're going to make it I understand you might be in that valley right now you may be a little car sick from all the fast turns and cutbacks you know Allie says amen she says you're going to have to slow down I said baby I'm driving 40 miles an hour I can't help it she says well stop mashing your brake I said we are on a descent if I don't mash my brake I'm going to be doing 90 miles an hour and so <laughs> I can't help it I'm going to get sick well just Hold your breath. I don't know, but I know you might be in that moment where you're like, I'm really sick of this. I feel like I've turned every corner there is to turn, and there's yet another corner right there to turn. And I'm tired of the jerking and the yanking and the going and the stopping. There's nothing that irritates me more than to get on the interstate where I'm supposed to be driving 80 and I'm driving 40, and then I'm stopped. And I'm driving 40, and I'm stopped. 
and I'm driving 40 and I'm stopped. I'm like, what part of 80 miles an hour are we not understanding? Well, you might be there. You might felt like you were in the season where everything was going to be perfect and smooth sailing. Oh, we've made it, baby. We're going to go from here. And then all of a sudden, traffic has come to a halt, and you're sitting there looking at the bumper of somebody in front of you that's not going anywhere. Why are you, well, have you found yourself there in faith? I have. When everything seemed to be going smooth and good, and then now there's a screeching halt, and there's brake lights everywhere, and cars are veering left and right, and you, you don't know what to do but to hold on. Well, I'm telling you, that's exactly what you need to do by faith is just hold on. You're going to make it. Don't turn around now. Don't turn around now. You know the chaos that ensues behind. You know the brokenness that is behind. You know the years that you needed God to pull you through that are behind. Why go back? You're going to make it. Let me talk to you for a little bit about faith this morning. Take your Bibles and turn to Hebrew. Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to read the entirety of this chapter before the day is over. Hebrews chapter 11. I want to read to you verses 1 and 2 for now. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the men of old obtained a good report. I'm going to read you that again. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. That means the things that are not yet obtained. The things that are still before you. You don't have them yet. You're hoping for them. Yet it is the evidence of things not seen. <laughs> How is it the evidence? Evidence is proof that you have something. Faith is evidence of things not seen. The substance of things that have not been obtained. Faith is knowing that God has given you a word, that has given you direction. He has given you hope. You have not taken hold of the hope. You don't possess it yet. It is still to be obtained. Nor have you seen it with your eyes, yet you have evidence that it is so. That don't make any sense. I know because it's faith. Faith doesn't make sense. Faith is trusting God and taking him at his word. Faith is, well, God said it, therefore I believe it. Yeah, but your experience has been something different. I can't help what my experience has been. I'm telling you what my faith is. Yeah, but your circumstances don't look like anything you're talking about. I can't help what my circumstances look like. I can tell you what my God has said. Because I will believe the report of the Lord. That is how the men of old, it says here in verse 2, have obtained a good report. The good report was not that they had experienced good things. They obtain the good report by faith. If we do what God says, there's a promise awaiting. If we do what God says, there's a promise awaiting. Well, when's the promise coming? It don't matter. It's, it's awaiting. It's awaiting. 
Yeah, but I mean, you keep on doing all this stuff and, and then none of it's coming to fruition in your life. That's by faith. I'm walking by faith, not sight. If you're waiting on being able to see some things, you're going to be waiting a long time. If you've always got to see what God is bringing to you, you are going to be disappointed in your faith. Are you saying God will never bring it about? No, I'm not saying that, but I'm telling you sometimes it takes longer than we want it to. Sometimes it doesn't come the way we think it ought to come. I read to you just a few weeks ago prophecies of Isaiah, prophesying of the coming of the Messiah. You realize it took 750 years before some of these come to fruition. 750 years. Any of y'all in here 750 years old? Any of you in here 100 years old? No. Charles is gone. No, I'm playing. No, none of us are. There's been things I've gotten frustrated over, and I'm 36 years old. Yet the very prophecy of Isaiah took 20 times my lifespan to come to fruition. Think about that. 20 times my lifespan, and I get frustrated. <laughs> Who am I? Say, well, you're going to encourage me. You feel like you're scolding me right now. I need you to know that faith, faith is the substance. You hear that? Faith is a substance, yet it's not obtained. Faith is evidence, yet it's not seen. I need you to really just let that soak in this morning. Faith is a substance that you have not obtained and it's an evidence of something not seen and yet we are to live by faith and not by sight we are to walk in the spirit and not the flesh see flesh is obtained it is seen spirit is not you can't see the things of God when you are trying to look at them through the lens of this world. You've got to look through the lens of the spiritual eye to see what the Father is showing us. How often are we unwilling to surrender our own desires, our own goals in life? Surrender them to God and to surrender them to His purposes. How often are we in the middle of unnecessary doubts and reservations and they keep us from experiencing the complete and the fulfilling life that God desires for us? How often do we cut ourselves short? And then we turn around and get mad at God because we quit. Because we walked in fear, because we had all these reservations. I, I was counseling someone last night, and I said, listen, this is going to seem kind of cold, and I don't mean it this way, but I need you to hear me plain, not only for yourself, but for others whom you are attempting to help. You cannot lead people places they are unwilling to go. 
When you sit down and you counsel and you get them to the brink of breakthrough and joy and they say, yeah, but, and they jump right back in the pit you just worked all day to pull them out of, all you can do is pray for them and tell them, I love you. And when you're ready to get out of the bottom of that pit, I'm here to help you out. But until then, you're going to live in it by yourself. And I'm not climbing down in there with you. What happens is people get in places where they no longer can see in the natural what the will of God is. And he is calling them to walk by faith. And they won't surrender their lead to his lead. And they've got to step out of flesh and into faith to make it to the next place that God has for them. And they're hung up here because they can't step out of flesh into faith. But they want your faith to get them where they're supposed to go. And I can't out faith your faith. I can pray until I'm blue in the face. I can fast until you can pull me through a keyhole. But it ain't going to do nothing for you if you're not walking in the same faith and agreement. <laughs> you know, oh, Lord, set them free from whatever. And all the while, you going to the store buying it by the bucket loads. Until you want to be set free, you're going to be bound. Because whom the Son is set free is free indeed. Well, I'm bound by it. Well, then you ain't let Jesus set you free from it yet. It ain't Jesus that failed you and it ain't me that failed you. It's you that's holding on to it. Well, that's hard preaching. Well, you're going to make it because I'm going to teach you how to let go of it. <laughs> I'm going to teach you how to let go of it. We're going to walk by faith. We're going to have a substance that's yet not before us, and we're going to have evidence of things we hadn't seen. Because Jesus said so, therefore it's mine. He has declared on the cross of Calvary, it is finished. I know y'all get tired of me saying that phrase. But listen, in that one verse of Scripture, all of the gospel is made clear. Jesus stretched out on the cross of Calvary and declares, it is finished. What's the it? Well, what do we need? If you need salvation, it's taken care of. You need freedom, it's taken care of. You need the baptism in the Holy Ghost, it's taken care of. You need healing, it's taken care of. You need provision, it's taken care of. You need peace, it's taken care of. You need joy, it's taken care of. What you need, Jesus has got it. It's finished. Well, I'm not walking in it. Well, I'm not worried about what your circumstances. We're going to walk in it by faith. I'm going to be happy because Jesus said be anxious for nothing. No, I'm going to be in peace. Well, don't you realize the storm that's raging? Yeah, I know, but he said he's the prince of peace. And he said that if I would rejoice and again rejoice and come before him with all kinds of prayer, that he will cause me to have a peace that don't make no sense. And that peace is what will guard my heart and mind. So my heart and mind stayed on Jesus. You're going to make it. I'm liking this little bit of testimony service this morning. Amen. Huh? Glory. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. I'm going to say it one more time. You're going to make it. Take your Bibles and turn over to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 starting in verse 16. But they have not 
all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Their voice went into all the earth, and their words to the ends of the world. But I say, did Israel not know? First Moses says, I will make you jealous by those who are not a nation, and by a foolish nation I will anger you. And Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. But to Israel, he says, all day long I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. You're going to make it if, if you'll grab hold of the outstretched hand of God Almighty. Because it has continually stretched out before you. Verse 16, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. See, the gospel has not been true to them all because they have not done the word of God. I'm telling you, when you become a doer of the word, you will not be deceived, nor shall there be any law brought against you because when you are a doer of the word, the fruit of the Spirit will be evident in your life. And when the fruit of the Spirit are at work, as I've already said, there is no law that can be made against you. Them are some pretty good promises. But you know what they all dwell on? Me doing what God said. Me doing what God said. How am I going to make it? You're going to obey. How am I going to make it? I'm going to do the word. How am I going to make it? Well, I'm going to know the word so I know what to do. Because I'm going to walk this walk by faith and not sight. Well, how am I going to gain faith? You gain faith because faith comes by hearing, hearing of the word of God. Wow, I mean, it seems like the Word of God is tangled all up in this. Well, yeah, because He is the Word. The Word made flesh and dwelt among us, and we've seen His glory. I'm plumb excited this morning. I'm about ready to run. I'm just doing a real good job of containing myself. Hallelujah. This morning, I want you to know you're going to make it. This morning, I want you to know that the Word will not return void. This morning, I want you to know that the stretched hand of Christ is before you. It is just your responsibility to grab hold. And if you will grab hold, he will see you through. Or you can be disobedient to the gospel and you can be a stiff-necked, hard-headed people like Israel was and allow the outstretched hand of God to stay there empty and wonder why we've not received what he has for us. I want to read you Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 3. I don't really have to preach it. It'll preach itself. The word's the word, and it does what it's supposed to do. Hebrews 11, third verse. By faith, there it is, we understand that the universe was framed by the word of God so that the things that are seen were not made out of things which are visible. See, it is by faith that we believe that the God of all the universe spoke and while there was nothing, yet there is now something. Where did it come from? Well, by faith, he is God, creator of all. And through his voice, all things are made. Verse 4, by faith, 
Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain offered. And through this he was approved as righteous with God testifying concerning his gifts. He still speaks through his faith, though he is dead. So what's faith going to do for me? I tell you, faith will take you further than you can even live in the natural. Just as Abel, dead and gone for eons of time, yet his obedience is still a testament of faith that all of the children of God hear and proclaim even unto this day. When you live by faith, even though your physical body may be dead and gone, the Spirit of God will still anoint, speak through, and cause you to be made a witness unto his glory even beyond your natural life. I'm telling you, by faith, God God can do all kinds of things for you. By faith, when we are empowered through the work of the Spirit, Christ strengthening us, we can do all things. Though we may be in lack, though we may need this or we may need that, that might be the natural situation. But by faith, I have plenty because my God is my provider. By faith, I will go over and not under because God said so. By faith, he has caused me to be the head and not the tail. By faith, I am the righteousness of Christ and a joint heir with him by faith I am seated together with him in the heavenly places at the right hand of the father as he intercedes on my my behalf hear that on my behalf well you can turn it around and say my too on your behalf so by faith well how you feeling it don't matter because by faith I'm just fine <laughs> I'm not telling you don't go to the doctor I'm not telling you don't take your medicine but I am telling you by faith you're going to make it. Ah, we're going to make it. I'm not real worried about the world's economy. I'm not really worried about my stock market. I'm not really worried about too much of anything because all this is temporary and I am but a pilgrim passing through and I'm trying to build the kingdom of my almighty God and I'm going to walk in the peace and the power that he has given me. It is well with my soul. If it's not with yours, find Jesus. Hallelujah. Don't you see the mess that's going on? Yeah, but by faith. I have a substance of things that are yet to be hoped for and an evidence of things not seen. I'm telling you, it's, it's peachy in my world because I'm living in the kingdom of God. If you want to hang out in the kingdom of darkness and let this wicked world rule your way, have at it. But I don't care. Let it go to hell. It's headed there anyhow. What? Preacher Jude? I sure did. I said, let it go to hell. It's headed there anyhow. I'm going to preach Jesus. I'm going to love people and I'm going to train disciples. I'm going to be obedient to God. I'm going to win every soul I can. But I ain't worried about this world. It's going to end in flame. And I'm going to be in the presence of God Almighty. Huh? If I die before the rapture, I'm going to come back with him, dressed in my robes of righteousness to get those who are left here. Huh? I'm not too well. I'm just not real concerned about it. Everybody's got all their stock on what's going on on this earth. And in the word, Jesus is going to destroy it all anyhow. Huh? I'm going to come back in the new heavens and the new earth. So let this earth do what it's going to do. Huh? I'm going to live in the millennial reign with almighty God. Well, I'm meddling. If we let the perverseness of the church get us as bent out of shape as we do some of the situations in the world, We'd actually be the church God called us to be. <laughs> yeah, I said it. 
if we was half as concerned with the perversion within the church as we are the things going on within the world, we'd be the church that God has called us to be. I'm smiling because I have all this going through my mind and I'm trying to hear the voice of the Father while I let come out of my mouth because I won't let it all come out. But he has shushed me on some of it. And so I'm just going to smile and then let my filter work and the Spirit do what he needs to. And here in a second, I'll let the rest of it out. It does not hurt my feelings when people call me a hard-nosed preacher. It does not hurt my feelings when people say, oh, he's one of them holiness preachers. Well, glory to God, because to be opposite, if I'm not holiness, then that must mean I'm unholy. And I don't want to be an unholy preacher. Yes, I'm a holiness preacher. No, I'm not talking about a dress code or legalism. I'm talking about living according to the word of God. Now, I know none of us in this room are perfect. I know we all have our shortcomings, and it's none of your business what mine is. and ain't mine what yours is. Take it to the Father, find victory. Don't stay there. There's the difference is when you decide you're going to set up in your unrighteousness and live there for all of eternity. Well, the only place that unrighteousness can spend eternity is in hell. Now, let me get on here. So when people try to insult me by calling me a holiness preacher, when people try to insult me on my hard style of preaching, here is the thing. I have seen in the last several months people who go to other places, and I'm not going into any details there, who are absolutely rank in their style of living. They're happy to be drunkards. They're happy to be filthy-mouthed. They're happy to look exactly as the world looks. And they're happy to put on Facebook what church they go to. Well, I'm going to tell it like this, because I've been told I'd never come to your church the way you preach. Glory to God that hell can't stay in the presence of my preaching. Thank God that sin is uncomfortable on the pew that I am set to oversee. Glory to God that people who are happy to live in rank perversion can't hang around me too long. Glory unto his name. Praise unto the king. Because guess whose blood ain't going to be on my hands when I stand before God Almighty. Say, well, where'd that come from? Because I'm talking to you about living by faith. And when we live by faith, and I'm telling you the truth of Almighty God, we're going to make it. Ain't nobody around here declaring that we are holier than thou. Ain't nobody around here declaring that we are perfect. Ain't nobody around here declaring that none of us fallen short of the glory of God because all of us have. But I am telling you that I got a thrice holy God who has called me unto a holy living, who has empowered me by his Holy Spirit, who will empower me to be who he has called me to be. I'm telling you by faith, I'll be like Abraham and I'll set out unto a land that I have no clue where is, but I am willing to walk by faith and go to a place that I can't tell you where we're going. But what I'll tell you is we'll find God when we get there. Glory, because in his presence is a fullness. Hallelujah. Glory unto his name. Hallelujah. Man. Glory. Woo. Praise the God. 
Hallelujah. Mm, Jesus, glory. Hey. Ah. Yeah. Verse 5. By faith, Enoch mm, was taken to heaven so that he would not see death. He was not found because God took him away. For before he was taken, he had this commendation that he pleased God. Glory. You talking about a testimony. Uh, you're talking about a standard to live to. Uh, when, 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 the, when the enemy comes in like a flood, there is a standard that has been raised against him. Christ Jesus being that standard. But when we can look at the example of our brothers of old, glory, what a thing to walk with God in such a way that you pleased him, that you don't even see death. You just are and then you are not. Last time I checked, the same book also says that God changes not, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I'm telling you, I'm going to do my best to, to walk like old Enoch walked so that God would say, you know what? He pleases me. Won't you just come on? Uh, yes, I know that it is appointed unto all men to die once. That's the reason I believe Enoch is one of the witnesses that come back in the end who will be dead in the street because the word says... That he ain't dead yet, but somebody's got to die because the word says everybody's got to die once. So I believe that we can know that Enoch is one of the witnesses because they're the two that hadn't seen death. That's my theology, and if you disagree with me, you have the right to be wrong. <laughs> That's a little levity. I'm playing. I won't argue that point, but that is what I believe. Verse 6, and without faith it is impossible to please God. Read that to you again. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. What is faith? It's a substance and an evidence. Yet it has not been touched nor seen. And without it, you can't please God. It's impossible. For he who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He is a rewarder of those who go to a feel-good meeting every once in a while to check off their religious thing that they attended church. He is a rewarder of those who go to the church with the most people in the building. He is a rewarder of those who dressed in the latest fad. He is a rewarder... No... He is the rewarder of those who will diligently seek him. I like the fact that it doesn't just say those who will seek him. It says those who diligently seek him. When you look at the Greek, that's the right translation, meaning to, to labor in the looking for. I won't share all the details again, but I told you all a few weeks ago of a story of Cooper going into the laundry room looking for something. He goes in the room, he spins around, he comes back in and says, no, I didn't see it. Well, that's how most people look for God. They put no effort into it. They want him to do everything. The Word of God says for those who diligently seek him. No, you got to look for him like we do when we can't find the remote control. Uh, man, we flipped the couch upside down. Huh? <laughs> you know, we got both knees in the cushions, digging down, I mean, swimming in the couch, <laughs> you know, trying to find it. Uh, 
No, look for Jesus like you're looking for that lost remote control. Huh? No, you diligently seek him. You get so mad you just go to town and buy another one, knowing that that one's still in the house somewhere. Huh? Got 37 universal remotes. Why? Because we might lose one. God forbid we read our Bible. Huh? Now, those who diligently seek him are the rewarders, those who will be rewarded. Verse 7, by faith Noah, being divinely warned about things not yet seen. Here it is, God telling somebody about something that ain't happened yet, causing you to become obedient to do things that doesn't make any sense. Moved with godly fear and prepared an ark to save his family, by which he commanded the world and condemned the world, excuse me, and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So you can't please God without faith. He only rewards those who diligently seek him. There is a righteousness to be found, but it is only found by faith. We are to seek first the kingdom of God and righteousness. How are we going to find it? By faith. How are we going to make it? By faith. How do I please God? By faith. Well, what's faith? Well, it's a substance and an evidence of something that's not been touched or seen, but it's what's necessary. You don't make no sense. Welcome to faith. Welcome to faith. Let me, let me put this to you here. I may have taught on this before. Here, I've taught on it before. I don't know if I've taught on it here. Dealing with Noah. Do you realize in the time in which Noah was called to build an ark, this huge boat, I just read about it this week in my Bible reading, 300 cubits long, a cubit's about a foot and a half, 50 wide and 30 tall. That's a big old boat. It had not rained. Do you realize they were living in the midst of the desert and there was a mist keeping things watered? You want me to build a what? A boat, you know, something to float on water. In this desert that it ain't never rained? Yeah, okay. Like how big? You know, big enough to hold your entire family, 14 of most animals, and even more of the unclean or the clean for sacrifice. What? That's a big old boat to be in the middle of the desert. Do you know that he built on that thing for 120 years before the first raindrop fell? Talking to you about living by faith. God tells you to build a boat in the middle of the desert and wait 120 years before you see the first raindrop. Imagine all the people walking by, wagging their tongues and talking about how stupid he was. That dude is psycho. Huh? Here's something that I want to warn you with in your faith. How often have we in our high-minded righteousness wagged our tongue or looked cross-eyed at something that didn't make sense in the natural because somebody's doing something that seems kind of outlandish? Were you in their prayer closet? Are you the Holy Spirit? You don't know what God told them to do or not do. Now, if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, then yeah, you can have speculations. But just because it's different doesn't mean that it's wrong. Just because you've waited two years to see if their promise or their word come to pass and it hadn't, so they must be false. Noah had to wait 120. Isaiah had to wait 750. We're not even 250 years old as a nation. Imagine waiting three times the life of our nation to see a prophecy come to pass. Be careful. Be careful. I know I'm a little teaching here. Y'all ready for some preaching and wrap church up. Y'all going to be all right. 
Because I'm going to teach you how you're going to make it. Because verse 8, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out into a place which he would later receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. And by faith he dwelt in the promised land as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for a city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself also received the ability to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man who was as good as dead... <laughs> sprang so many a multitude as the stars of the sky and innumerable as the sand by the seashore. Look at old Abraham and Sarah. Head out into a land not knowing where you're told to go. Nearly a hundred years old and told you're going to have a kid. Huh? And you do. I love it here. It was a miracle for Sarah in her old age, but even more so for Abram, who was as good as dead. Huh? To father a child. I don't mean to be funny about it, but that's what the word says. He's as good as dead. Yet by faith and through the help of the father, he bore a son. Because there's a promise. Because there's a promise. Doesn't always happen in the time frame we think it ought to. Doesn't always happen in the way we try to. Look at the mess that Abraham and Sarah got themselves into when they tried to bring about the promise of God through their own understanding. Look at the mess that's still going on to this day because Abraham and Sarah tried to take care of things in their own understanding. There would be peace in the Middle East if Abraham and Sarah hadn't tried to make the promise of God come about in their own understanding. Verse 13, these all died in faith. Wow. Not having received the promises. But having seen them from afar, were assured of them. I want to pause right there. They died in faith, having not received the promises, yet seeing them afar. I'm telling you, when the Lord shows you something in the Spirit, you put as much stock into it as if it was really built right before your very eyes. Because when the Lord has given it to you, it will come to pass. You may die before it comes to pass, but have you seen it from afar? And did you die in faith? Huh? I was thinking about this as I was reading over this chapter. We just laid to rest brother Tommy Carpenter a couple of weeks ago and I won't go into great detail and yes he did physically die but that was a man who died in faith I learned some details that weekend that I had not known he had a heart attack in the pulpit but never stopped preaching they said they realized that he kinda just was raw and then he kind of calmed down and mellowed out and held on to the pulpit and finished. Thus saith the Lord God. Shook hands, greeted the people, just as everything was fine. Got in the car, 
looked at Jane and said, take me to the hospital. Take me to the hospital. And they did the triple bypass, which caused, that's where he, he never really fully developed. But he come to and he, he talked and he called the family in. And he blessed all of his children, blessed all of his grandchildren. Give them the word of the Lord unto the next generation. See, there's some things that God has shown me that I hadn't walked in yet, but I need you all to see it and know it. Here is the word of the Lord unto the carpenter family for the years to come. And then he went on to be with the Lord. You're talking about dying in faith. Talk about walking in faith. I don't care what the natural circumstance, natural circumstance is. I got three arteries that are clogged up. And I'm standing behind the pulpit having a heart attack. But I'm going to walk in faith and declare the word of the Lord because there's souls in the balance here. I got a task at hand. God will see me. I can do all things. Through Christ who strengthens me. I can deliver the word while I'm dying because Christ strengthens me. I can smile and shake the hands of the people and anoint them with oil and pray over them in the altar while I'm dying because Christ is he who strengthens me. Talking about dying in faith, huh? Glory to God. Now y'all know why I said I don't, I'm more concerned in his death, not that I don't get to call or talk to him. I'm concerned with the hole that was left in the kingdom of God because that man's faith left earth. Because how many people do you know? I don't mean this ugly, but most preachers I know get a little sniffle nose and take two weeks off. I'm just being honest. This man needed a triple bypass and still preaching the word. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them from afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. I've already spoke to this this morning. I won't spend much time here. But do you understand that we are just pilgrims passing through? This land is not our home. We are here to win souls to the kingdom of God and carry on with the Father's business. I had someone ask me recently, are you one of those kingdom-minded people? Well, what other mind is there to have? Last time I checked, it said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Well, people get so jacked up in their theology, they don't know come here from Sikkim. Those who say such things declare plainly that they are looking for a homeland. And certainly, if they had been thinking of the country out of which they came, they might have had the opportunity to return. So don't even think about it where God's brought you from because you might mess up and return to it keep your eyes fixed on Jesus know you've been set free and possess the land that is before you but they desired a better country that is a heavenly one therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared a city for them by faith Abraham when he was tested offered up Isaac and he who had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom God said, Through Isaac shall your seed be named. Mm. He reasoned that God was able to raise him up, 
even from the dead, from which he indeed received him in a figurative sense. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of his sons of Joseph and worshiped while leaning on top of his staff. I know I've preached it to you before. I'm not spending time here, but there's significance in worshiping and leaning on that staff because that staff would have been a staff of remembrance. Every promise, every covenant, every contract that would have been made, there would have been a mark or an etching on that staff. And so here he is leaning up on the staff, looking down it at all the promises that God had made, all the provision that God had made, all the things that had happened in life, and he worshipped him, I'm telling you, by faith. Joseph, when he was dying, mentioned the exodus of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden by his parents for three months because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. I'm telling you, when you're walking by faith, it doesn't really matter what the world says. My Jesus said it, I'm going to do it, and the rest of you are going to have to come in line because I'm going to be obedient to the rule of all things God is God and don't get it twisted by faith Moses when he came of age refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a time I want to talk to you about this for just a minute yes I know what time it is just hold on we're out for the holidays I want to talk to you for a second here that Moses, when he came of age, by faith he would rather to no longer be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and to suffer the afflictions of the people of God than to partake in the pleasures of sin for a season. It bothers me when people of faith are out here so consumed with possessing the pleasures of this world in the name of religiosity. We got so many spirits. I see that the spirit of such and such is on you and the spirit of so and so is on you. I'm going to be plain with you here. Only spirit I want on me is the Holy Spirit. If you got other named spirits, you need to rebuke those devils and let them out of your life. Because there is but one spirit that should be in us, on us, around us, through us, and working in and on us. And that is the spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is his name. The comforter. The spirit of truth. Now you might have an anointing on your life. You may have the grace of God in a particular area or a gifting of God. But if you got the spirit of and its name ain't Holy Ghost, you got a devil. Now let me carry on. That's a teaching for you today. Because we no longer have a doctrine of suffering. Oh, if you're suffering, you must not be in the presence of God. What a pharisaical mind. Jesus said, you're going to suffer for my sake. And when they persecute you, know that they first persecuted me. Know that when they hate you, that they hated me first. That it was by faith that Moses makes his way into the book of remembrance here. Because he chose to no longer be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to no longer have the good possessions of the world, but to suffer affliction with the people of God. 
I don't understand why it is we think that we're going to possess all the things of the world when the Word of God tells us that we should not be in the world and that the world ought to hate us. So if the world is loving you and giving you all the things that belongs to it, check up what God you're serving. When they embrace you and call you good, check up and see where you are. Yes, I know in Acts 2 that it says, and they found favor with all people. Favor is one thing. Possessing and being in agreements with them is another thing. Because Acts 2, where it also says that they had favor with all people, also says that they sold their possessions of excess to take care of those of need. So how is it we've built a doctrine that we are supposed to be people of excess and have more than we need? Some good teaching, and I'm preaching better than you, amen. See, there's a balance here. God don't mean for us to be poor and suffer. He doesn't. But if you're poor and suffer, don't think you're outside the will of God. I believe in a prosperity gospel because the gospel will prosper you. When you become a doer of the word and you walk in the blessing of God, he'll give you a peace. But the thing is, is when we are seeking after things of the world, we think a big bank account, a fancy car, and a big house says that I'm righteous. No, I'd rather live in a shack and walk and have the peace of God. Huh? When you got to remember what lie you've been telling to crook people out of money. When you got to realize what scheme you're in the middle of. When you're more worried about building your possessions on earth than you are the kingdom of God. See, there are some things out of balance within the household of faith. You can go the opposite direction and still be out of balance. There is a balance. I'm not telling you don't have nice things. I'm also not telling you that you should have nice things. I'm telling you do the word. I'm telling you be obedient to God. I'm telling you where that takes you is where you need to be. If that takes you to the White House and makes you the richest person in America, glory to God. If it takes you to the wrong side of the tracks and you live in a shanty, glory to God. If you're doing the word and being obedient, you're in the will of God and all of eternity awaits you. A robe of righteousness awaits you. Crowns awaits you that you will throw at the feet of the king. Stop worrying about circumstances. Stop worrying about world, world standards. Let us walk by faith, the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. You're going to make it. How? By faith. By faith. Whew. Hmm. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Verse 26, he esteemed the reproach of Christ as greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. He endured by looking to him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover, the sprinkling of blood, lest one who destroys the firstborn touch them. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea on dry ground, which the Egyptians attempted to do, but were drowned. Because they didn't go in by faith. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down, and after they were encircled for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, when she received the spies with peace, did not perish with those who did not believe. And that more shall I say. There's plenty, but time should fail me. I love this, that whoever is the writer of Hebrews, whether it's Paul or not, I like that they run out of time too. They had so much to say. <laughs> Glory to God. The perfect ending to a sir. I got more to say, but for the sake of time, let me wrap it up. Huh? 
I could tell of Gideon and Barak, Samson, Japheth, David, Samuel, the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in fighting, and turned the armies of foreign enemies to fight, whom received their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured. Well, wait a minute. Hold on. Here comes some suffering. And did not accept deliverance so that they might obtain a better resurrection. Glory to God. Talking about an eternal mindset. Still others had trials of mocking and scourging, even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sewn in two. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered around in sheepskins and goatskins while destitute, afflicted, and tormented. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. These all have attained a good report through faith. But they did not receive the promise. For God provided something better for us, so that with us they would be made perfect. You're going to make it. You're going to make it by faith. Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The literal transcription and translation through the Greek of who strengthens me is he who empowers me. I love that because Acts 1 and 8 says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I'm telling you, church, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. You're going to make it, and you'll do it through the help of of the Father because if Christ is the one who has strengthened you if you have received the power from on high through the working of the Holy Spirit you're gonna make it hallelujah thank you so much again for taking time to listen to a message from the sanctuary of Cornerstone Assemblies of God we do this through the help of our listeners and friends in the community if you would like to donate to our broadcast you can go to cornerstoneatlanta.tv and give as the Lord would lead you. But again, I, Pastor Richard Wade of Cornerstone Assemblies of God, just say thank you for taking time, and I pray the Lord make this real to you.